From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I was listening to an interview with the late, great Mark Lanigan just before the program where I was talking about Al, jo- jo- Al Johannes, who is here with us now, talking about how he loved making music with Al and that's all he ever wanted to do. And for Lanigan to say that means so much. Al Johannes, I mean, he's like the most talented guy in the universe, in the world. He's worked with oh my the who's God. who of rock icons. His band 11 toured with Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. As a writer and producer and engineer, Al has worked with Chris Cornell, Mark Lanigan, Jimmy Eat World, Queens of the Stone Age, the Arctic Monkeys. He's toured with Queens of the Stone Age, Them Crooked Vultures, PJ Harvey. His latest solo album, Hum, is out on Ipecac. Is that how you say that? Recordings. Anyway, Al Johannes is here with us now. Thank you so much. It is such an honor for you to be here. How's it going? Thank you, brother. Thank you for inviting me. It, it's going good. Thank you. I'm, I'm really honored to be invited, and it's been great to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. We had an amazing time touring together many moons ago, right? That's right. It was the first time I ever saw you. I think uh, you were doing some dates with my band, Fistful of Mercy, that I had with Ben Harper exactly. and Donnie Harrison, and you, you know, you were... I, you played before us, but it was like you blew us off the stage every night. And and no, I was, no, 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 no. I, 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 like, I don't know, man. Where to, where to start with you? The, the interview I was just listening to with Lanigan, our good friend. I mean, um, and yeah. and how much work you've done with him, and just like the who's who of people you've worked with. A lot of the queens of the Stone Age sound, I feel like, originated from your soul. Um, what what in your musical journey is pretty wild your life story is really wild i don't even really know where to begin but what when you think of mark and you think of like the where we are in our world and the people we've known and loved and played with i mean how is it landing on you now uh, what what's your viewpoint of life and music as we make music with people that now are gone yeah, man. You know, you know, it's 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 funny because well, first of all, we've been really blessed, right, with to to be in the company of of amazing artists, to to have a extended family, to have history with people that that have inspired us, and then that we can help them with their music and like like I have, you know, producing and 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 co-writing and and just being like you know uh, not only a best friend but a musical partnership um and the more loss that i experienced you know first of all, i lost my wife natasha who was an incredible genius in the band 11 with me uh of 25 years and then you know obviously the the stuff like you know happens with your you know parents and stuff but but then chris cornell and then mark and and it's like each time like a part of me it feels like completely beat down to to like to the point where i can't i can't even believe it and i can't get up and the other part has like this feeling of like there's a legacy and there's a there's a they, they wouldn't want me to just you know give up or or they just we started something we were part of something that needs to continue so i use that to get up every day and i honor them by try trying to be as, as amazing as i can in anything that i do whether it's 
making music with uh, for myself or producing other bands or just living every day and you know like like on instagram i do a lot of improvisations every day just try to be in the zone of being creative you know yeah it's interesting you bring up chris cornell too because i actually ended up becoming friendly with him towards the end of his life we would go on some hikes in la and stuff like that mm -hmm. and had some nice long conversations and what a great guy he was man i it's hard to fathom that you know how he passed if you know whatever if there's controversy there or not i don't know and we don't need to get into that but like uh yeah i mean i i feel like sometimes you know the the line between the the afterlife and this life is really thin in regards to music i feel like we get communicated with from spirits that are beyond through music do you have any experience with that absolutely when i when i made my album spark um which i did in four days and it was my ode to natasha and i don't know if it was the 25 years of always being next to each other because we we were inseparable we everywhere we went everything everywhere together and we made music together like you know worked on chris's solo record euphoria morning and you know we were in in, in my band 11 together but also in queens for that lullabies period but it was weird because we had this kind of this like we kind of made one big musician or one big person as it were because she was uh uh had perfect pitch and she was had amazing compositional mind and i was like the wild improvising like like uh, autodidact like taught myself and and like didn't know what i was doing but had the spirit to just go for it and she had this ability to just even hear a piece of music for the first time no matter how complex and have a complete map in her mind of everything that happened what everybody was playing and what it meant harmonically in relation to itself and so when i was making spark in those four days i remember i wanted to, to i just needed to communicate my love for natasha and in those four days that i recorded the 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 eight songs that make up spark which is a note to her I could totally, I had totally had a dialogue with her, like, okay, what now? What, you know, and I would hear this voice in my head, like, like, not like, you know, as in like, he's going crazy and he hears their actual voice, but this, you know, the, you know what I mean? Like this feeling, this yeah. instinct, this, like, like, well, how, you know, you know how often you're writing and, and it, it just comes to you. It doesn't, it's not like you can't make it happen. It's like, it's like we're receiving a transmission, uh, as it were, and we just prepare for uh, translating the, as much of the message as possible but but she would like you know suddenly say this needs this or you should do a little three-part uh, uh a choir thing here like uh, uh kind of in the georgian voices you know from from uh, you know soviet old soviet union georgia um you know and and in four days later it, i ended up with an album in front of me that i had mixed somehow and I don't remember most of it, you know, but definitely had this feeling. And um, lately these days, when when I, when I sit around, I just kind of like feel Mark and uh, Chris's and Natasha's spirit and everything um, mm. and everything that's awesome, you know, like because, you know, because you, you met Chris, you know, what a brilliant, um, not only funny, but but like that look in his eye. He was very mischievous in a really funny, cute way. Um, mm -hmm. uh, he had just tremendous creativity and a, and a kindness and a sweetness and, and, you know, I mean, imagine you and him doing hikes, like the amazing conversations you must've had, you know, it was great for conversations. Yeah. The hiking is, is amazing for conversations and just like, uh, you know, 
it was it was funny i just remember him having his shirt off and me not putting my shirt off because i wasn't in nearly good shape <laughs> imagine me I, I was just like i put on more layers man it's like it's like next to next to adonis over here you know i know i mean in the dictionary under the word handsome is a picture of him it's like okay yeah. dude <laughs> calm down over there and he picked but, me up but, in like the coolest <laughs> american sports like muscle car from like the oh yeah yeah know, the shelby it's shelby the, the the gray shelby the one that goes yeah. 200 miles an yeah. hour in five seconds yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> amazing i mean yeah just uh incredible being so when you're talking about that that creative spark when you when you made spark and you have that thing where it's just kind of flowing through you um what do you when when you know you're on to something like because I, I see you on Instagram doing your improvs and everything and you can just tell that you're you know filled with the spirit you're you're you know you can see your connection you can actually see your connection to your muse is so alive and activated I mean how do you keep that together and how much of it do you think is um sort of spiritual health that helps you keep that together versus like just the pain of loss that you've endured yeah i mean that's a that's a good question it's 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 it must be multi-layered i think i think what happens is that as a you know i just uh, i'm 61 now and and uh i as i get older as i got older and experience more life in this intensity um a lot of the extra, extraneous stuff started to fall off you know and even though I still got a, a, bit, a ways to go, I'm trying to get some some of my health back that I lost during during the pandemic. Um, but I just find that I find myself really trusting and able to tune out like like background noise. Like like I'm so much better at not worrying about the future or regretting the past and trying to be here now, kind of thing. Um, and I just, you know, what I loved about Instagram since I got on it about 10 years ago from the early days when you couldn't even have video, you had 15 seconds that, that you could post up, is it's it's a way to kind of like, it's 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 upping the ante a little bit from just sitting in the room by yourself because suddenly people are going to be listening to you, people that care about you, you and your music. And it's not that they expect to be entertained, but but it kind of, you know, it's that feeling when you get on stage, you know, you could rehearse you know, all the time, and then suddenly you get on stage, and something happens. It just comes alive in a completely different way, and in a way, it's a, it's almost like that. In Instagram, it's just kind of opening myself up. I think that I prepared. You know, started playing really young, and I did a quite a bit of woodshedding up, up until my teen years, and then I realized I had more technique than ideas, and I kind of stopped practicing, and I just kind of played. You know, whenever I feel like it. Um, and mm. you know, for me, the secret for me has always been listening to music as much as possible, like hours a day from all over the world, from time periods, styles, uh, uh, you know, doesn't matter if it has spirit, I don't care if it's reggaeton, you know, I'm in there, you know, avant-garde, noise stuff, whatever. Um, mm. I think, you know, I created my, my, my musicianship more, more to listening than to playing, you know, and also to, to being sensitive, obviously listening while you're being in a band, you know, which is kind of important as a musician to listen, you know. Um, but but I, I find like literally like like everything else is so awful, you know, 
obviously not everything because I go for nice walks. I'm here in the kind of in the countryside outside of Santiago, and there's like dogs and you know birds singing to whatever. But you turn on the news and like just where we're at as as humans and and what's mm -hmm. happening, and it's you, you get so disheartened and it's beyond hor horrific and tragic. And then and then you grab an instrument or you listen to music and this eternal something you know appears this this something that has nothing to do with uh what's happening here and yet it's a source of probably creation or or why things you know light slows down to make matter or whatever you want to however you want to talk about it it's like it's that something that 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 is love and light and and it's inside music you know and those moments where you where you can feel connected like that it just uh, that's why i need to, i think that's why i need to do it every day because it's like a recharge it's like dipping your toe in the fountain of you know uh beautiful something you know it's like it's like a, a, it feels grounding to do it like if i spend a day not, not doing it it feels a little crazy you know i, I need to do is it. is it a connection with god i mean do you do you frame it that way do you think of it in spiritual terms do you are you yeah. a believer I mean, is that what it, is it a spiritual practice essentially to you? I, I, I think it is a spiritual practice, though. Though, though, I'm, I'm, I've, I haven't really fallen into any particular. I've been searching all my life for it because I started off very, you know, in a in a kind of a, a, a you know traditional Catholic kind of like you know because I was living in, in Mexico City when I was a kid and and in Switzerland and and my family was a little bit like that and then later you know uh, there was a bit of the Jewish side of the family too. Um, and then I just started having a lot of uh, uh, disorders like anxiety and panic since I was really young because I would see the world and it would freak me out. Like there was such a huge difference between what I knew would be possible that people only behaved like, you know, like, like good people and, and the, what was actually happening. So that kind, of, that kind of rub created all this stuff for me. So then I had to go on a search for like reading every religious book, every every spiritual kind of practice, you know, obviously not everyone because it's a lot, but I read, you know, thousands of books uh, searching for something that would quiet my my unease about existence, you know. And I ended up with this kind of like uh, <laughs> punch drunk in a sense, you know, like I read so much and, and believed in so many things and kept switching all the time that, that I just kind of trust that there's 1%, 51 to 49% that's something awesome is behind all this, you know, and I, I, I don't want to, I don't call it God per se, but it's this, you know, all you gotta do is watch a nature show for five minutes and see this incredible intelligence behind all things, you know, um, even mm -hmm. though obviously, you know, nature can be really cruel and everything down here is, is pretty rough, but, but then you look at the, at the, you know, whatever we know of the cosmos and you just, you can't be a chemical accident so that atheism is out for me, which atheism in a way is like as much faith as anything else. You know, you have to, you also don't have proof of that there isn't something, you know? So. Yeah, atheism uh, is irrational too, because it's the belief that something comes from nothing, which is irrational. Right. <laughs> like it's a, well, it, like atheism's yeah. big, like, big, like, uh, like here's our trophy is that we're hyper rational, yeah. but it's actually yeah. totally irrational uh well i mean yeah know. exactly 
and and and, and yeah. the thing is that, that I understand why why they they they're kind of like resisting something that maybe traumatized them or, or didn't fit with them growing up. But then you don't have to go completely the opposite direction. I think just just being observant. I mean, the thing is like, why is there such a primal need for like love and connection? You know, um, and and just the beauty of 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 some of the the beautiful things in life are 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 eternal and. And, uh, you know, this, I believe in something. I just don't know what it is, you know? Well, I'll tell but, you one thing, my friend, you contribute a great deal to the beautiful things in life. And after these words, we're going to hear some of that and more right after these words on TNT. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. subject to be on display doing the walk of shame full visual impact any questions are we becoming a police state government told american citizens they couldn't go to church on sunday for the first time in my life i'm saying to myself am i going to get a knock at the door fbi warrant come to the door now the patriot act and fisa were used against donald trump these individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in u.s history they don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at. And then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. Are you sitting comfortably? Oh, yes, yes. And I'll begin. Even when you're just sitting around, we're rocking the talk. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, we're back with Al Johannes. So when when you played shows with us with Fistful of Mercy, I wasn't that familiar with you, I have to admit. At the time, everybody was telling me, oh, my God, Al's a genius. He's a genius. You're going to love him. Ben and Donnie were, like, crazy about you, too. And you had this little cigar box guitar, or, like, it was literally, like, guitars made out of cigar boxes. But then you would play, and Queens of the Stone Age was a pretty popular band at that time. And your solo stuff, your own compositions, 
had these angular riffs and it was very like it felt and listen i have a huge respect for josh homie and queens of the stone age i think they're great so this is no diss to them at all but i was like wow they got a lot from this guy um and 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 i know you worked with them so you must and you've written with them so explain a little bit about that relationship before you do a little song for us well i mean i think i think it's totally accidental because i think we we both grew up in a similar environment. Uh, Josh was uh, out in the Palm Desert, and I used to mm -hmm. go to Palm Desert all the time for the on the weekend. So we both kind of like were around, though he's he's younger than me. But but we we kind of like grew up with aesthetically listened to a lot of the same stuff. And I don't know somehow Josh and I have a kind of a similarity in the in our musical taste and and, and approach. And I think that also that that there was a cross-pollination which also happened with 11 and Soundgarden, um where you become you're not only fans of each other's music but but you're also influenced and and it also changes you to be around these these great artists you know as and it's kind of mutual in a way you know so yeah so i'm not really entire i mean i would i, I don't kind of hear it like that i mean we've worked together for so many years and and uh um on stuff and we're just like even when we we first met like when 11 opened up for queens and rated our tour in 2000 um you know josh natasha and i would spend like you know almost every single night hanging out and listening to music and talking and then he invited invited us for desert sessions and things like that um and uh i think i think it's just this amazing extended family because obviously through josh and there's the sessions I got to meet Mark Lanigan, you know, that's how we first started. Um, and I wrote Hanging Tree in those as a sessions, and then they ended up recording it for Songs for the Deaf. Um, and uh, also PJ Harvey, by the way, met Polly through a desert session and became a lifelong friendship. I ended up working with Polly and touring with her on Hope Six. Um, so it's more like a more like a like a big family that just kind of yeah. You know, kind of like the, the what, what was those those Parisian painter sculptor kind of hangs, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. in in the in in the twenties that that kind of like, <laughs> yeah, uh, and and composers would right. hang out together and and influence each other. I think it's more like that, really, you know. And that's the spirit I'm sort of asking the question into because it is full yeah. respect for everybody involved. It's not like oh somebody's copying somebody, but it is like I, what struck me then was like wow they're tapping into some kind of some kind of spirit that is I hear, mm -hmm. and it was interesting to hear it broken down with you doing it on this little cigar acoustic guitar yeah. and that and that same sort of spirit was was in some of it, not all of it. But anyway, you're gonna play yeah. something for us. What do you no, got? Yeah. I got a little my little cigar box here. Yeah, I think maybe maybe I'll do something uh, like endless eyes. You know, my little ode to Natasha. One of my odes to Natasha. Um, I'm gonna have to put my little glasses on for this one. All right. Has returned to me this day 
so full and empty Oh, this dream that we shared through all extremes In a hope for what it means to heal the fire beautiful song Thank too. You, the, that's what i mean the beautiful vocal beautiful like uh sort of uh melodic vocal i want to say legato but i'm trying to not say legato <laughs> like yeah, you know no, like no, you're la- right. you're long good. long melody with this angular riff that's what i mean mm-hmm. it's like and it you could always hear that too like super distorted like you know what i'm you know exactly what I mean? exactly yeah. thank you yeah exactly yeah that's the thing about the cigar box and 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 kind of like the the riff is just like that it should it should be able to translate to just being played on a little acoustic instrument you know but then you can imagine the heaviness of it being played with you know like a baritone guitar or down down tune guitar or whatever you know yeah, it's super heavy. What got you started on those cigar box guitars? And is that an alternate tuning? I mean, what what goes into writing a riff like that? Are you just like sort of messing around? It's it's on an open tuning, it sounds like, I'm assuming. 
no it's 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 actually uh the relationship like a guitar or a bass it's in fourth so except it's in c okay. and it's got a little octave, octave string so those are octaves unison so imagine like a I bar see. chord so you know what's yeah. you know so 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 basically except that you don't have your high e or your high b and my friend maddie barato makes these uh and and i got my first one from him in 2002 and i used it on the 11's last record uh it was a four string back then and since then i basically had this with me in the uh, during the crooked vultures tour you know with john paul jones and dave Grohl and josh homie um and jpj had his mandolin so we do a lot of jamming on the bus well, you know, me playing rhythm and stuff and letting letting him do incredible soloing on his mandolin. Um, and and uh, uh, this was there, and that's when I started to get the, the, the kind of need, the urge to start writing songs for Natasha. And so it ended up being uh, communicated on a very simple instrument, which is, you know, like a cigar box with, with, with a neck on it. And... The thing about it is that it has a little bit of a uh, flamenco-ish. It's not. It's not just like a small sound. Like a, it's a little, a little more percussive in in a sense. So it's kind of between the mandolin and a flamenco guitar, and it's really easy to carry. Like I could put it in a little, a little case, a, a little gig bag, and and put it. You know, hopefully they'll let me put it in in the in the hold uh, on top of when everyone puts their bags up. There's enough room for to fit this because it's really thin. You know. There's always enough room for that, dude. I always get my big Gibson acoustic guitar on the hold every time, dude. Every I time, so how, dude. Every time. How do you time. do it? Do you do I it? have do, my do ways. Like, I and yeah. I fly coach usually, so it's like it's That's sometimes amazing. a fight, but I always do it. So you're just talking about them crooked vultures and playing with JPG. I got to get a chance to jam with him and hang out with him in Mexico with Peter Buck down in Todos Santos. So I got to experience a little Amazing, of that. But you yes. were actually, yeah, you were on the road with him. And, you know, obviously he's like rock and roll royalty, as are you, as is Josh and Dave Grohl, too, really, let's face it. But I mean, what was that like? What was them crooked vultures like? Were you actually in that band? I mean, how did that work? I mean, it, it, it's strange because I wasn't exactly in the band. I, I did record uh, a few tunes, um, and I was there for the process of recording a lot with Josh. Josh and I, I was engineering him when he was uh, doing his vocals and guitars and stuff. Um, but the, and then and then they asked me to uh, you know to to be part of the band live. Um, and then we became this fearsome kind of like amazing chemistry kind of quartet, but the photos always showed uh, a three piece, you know, the famous, the, the three of them, which as, as it should, but then it felt kind of weird because we were really kicking ass together and I was up front, they gave me my own solo, I'm playing guitar and, and keys and bass and singing and we're, I'm up front and it's really in, in that sense we were a band, but obviously I wasn't uh the original an original like you know conceptual member um and every once in a while a photo appeared where i'm in it too especially saturday night live which i thought was really cool because because uh, uh you know they do this, the, the snl photos are are you know i grew up with snl uh jump you know with belushi and all the accord that bill murray all that stuff and to have 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 actually two sets of photos from saturday night live which is so amazing but you know with 
Queens of the Stone Age, when Natasha and I were in the band, and were Crooked Vultures, where where I'm in there, you know that kind of like kind of hand drawn look that a lot yeah, of this and exactly all what stuff. You're I love yeah. that stuff, and and it's That's so beautiful. iconic that I have the yeah. Um, no, but it it was it was I was really blessed that they invited me, and I think we were a really good fit, and I got to, you know, JPJ was amazing because he'd be like, hey Al, there's a there's a there's a, a ancient uh, instrument museum exhibit today let's go so him and i would go and like check out harpsichords and like old lutes and and uh uh for the name of that other one i always forget starts with a with a, a, a terrible a terrible terrible you know it has kind of you know long necks for the big low notes that they used to do in baroque music you know and, and like crazy mm-hmm. crazy looking thing thurbo thurbo i think it is um i have no idea that's like, out of my oh, wheelhouse al but <laughs> no, I got. I want to ask you this because it's just this a guitar, kind of points just a to an interesting. Uh, this points to an interesting direction, though. The fact oh, yeah. that you were in them crooked vultures, but then not in the photos, and 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 I've experienced a little of this too. And um, mm-hmm. but and you're an enormously accomplished and successful person. However, you're ha- hanging around these people that are like selling out stadiums in the case of them crooked vultures you're not really sort of in the photos that and i've have a lot of experience with that too playing in various super groups with people that have achieved more success i'm wondering like how how you've sort of philosophized that within yourself you ever had periods of like going how come things aren't just easier for me in terms of money and and sort yeah. of reach in, in my musical journey? I mean, and again, when I say that, I say that knowing who I'm talking to, knowing that you have huge respect and success in the industry. So that's like upper one percentile. But you know what I mean? It is interesting yeah. when we're around these people that get to do all kinds of things we want to do, too. No, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I understand and I completely understand. And it's also my 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 personality, my nature. I've never been one like I, I, I don't I don't not like I purposely hang in the shadows. I'm just more concerned about being part of something awesome and creating great music. So the whole marketing yourself part and the whole like business savvy part, I completely missed out on that. I have no idea what's happening. And and, you know, the thing is that uh, People don't read liner notes anymore. I've been a part of so many great records, and I, you know, some like I, I try to go go on tour on my own, and I have amazing catalog of music and stuff that I've helped other people write that I can play, and it's sometimes hard to like even you know book like for three three four hundred people. I'm kind of this weird like hidden and plain inside kind of person, you know, and the people that know know, and I love that, and they're because my you know the fans are real music fans in the sense that. They're they're really committed and they understand and they listen to all the stuff and they know how everything interconnects. It's not a casual listener, you know. Nothing wrong with being a casual right. listener, it, but it's just it's somebody that lives and breathes music and is interested in those things. And 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 the fact that we don't have vinyl anymore. Like I used to study. Remember, like getting vinyl and study. I we knew where and who engineered and and who sang background right. vocals and, and what other stuff they yeah. did and like we hours we spent listening to it. like like it was a part of the experiences to to to. That's right. You know and yeah, and you so, would think with the internet, you would think with the internet that it would be you it would be more 
there would be more uh, sort of knowledge about who did what, when, where, but it's actually less because there's so many distractions. Back then, exactly. th we stared at our records like that was the internet. So every little yeah. line, oh, who's that person? Oh, I see that person again. So you study this one area where now there's just a bombardment of distraction. Exactly. Now, when you when you say like the whole marketing thing, I miss that entirely. I really relate to that. And we came up in a time similar age. I'm a little bit younger than you, but where yeah. it was considered uncool to market yourself. It was met better if you were just this accidental genius that oops, hey. I got famous, you know, and and we believed all that stuff. But now do you think I mean, because you're still a young guy, you're you're a beautiful man, you're incredibly talented. Like, do you think you. Hmm, maybe I should put some of this volition in that I put into my music into learning how to market now in the later days so that I can get to a place where it's easier? Do you ever think like that? Do you ever think of amending your approach or changing your approach? I mean, it, it, I think I think, uh, you know, unwillingly, unconsciously, I have only because I'm, I'm constantly posting on Instagram. I mean, I don't know how to monetize any of that stuff, but it doesn't. But to me, it, it, it makes me happy that I'm able to communicate. You know, I've got like 50 or 60,000 uh, uh, followers, you know, which is pretty good considering, you know, like it's like not a not an everyday kind of rock star pop person or whatever you know so but it's it's all hard earned over over a period of 10 years of constantly i mean i must have like in the tens of thousands of posts you know like i'm one of those like oh here he goes he's feeling inspired again oh god what is it now you know, you know? <laughs> oh no he's got dude he's got a new <laughs> flute oh jesus christ <laughs> uh, <laughs> Here he goes again, Mr. Talent, showing up oh, look, talent. Look at him. Oh, oh, he's got, okay. oh, he's got 305 <laughs> instruments. That's awesome. Can't wait to hear. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, yeah. that, that part of it for me is like my, my lifetime obsession with sound and like, and I just love sound and I love the way instruments, they look so cool in a room. Like, you know, you have a sarangi yeah. or a sarot or a sitar or a harpsichord or like a gusheng or, or whatever sitting in the corner of the room and it's just aesthetically beautiful and culturally it comes from places that i that i don't that i've never been to that 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 people will figure things out in a way that that that's completely different to, from what i grew up with and and they're all everyone's like the human experience is so is so wide and multi-dimensional so instruments from other cultures and the instruments in general fascinate me like the first like rock that made a noise and then like you know string and wood and all that stuff i mean i can't help myself you know a, but i think i think you know in terms of like the self-sufficiency because you know i have a producer manage, manager because when i work on production or mixing and then i don't really have like an artist manager he picks up the slack so it's just kind of me like next year i'm doing all this touring um i'm not open that i'm having um these tours that the bands that I produce booking and they, they open and then they me on stage. It's like, that way they just book these cool like club shows and then just go and play and uh, and I don't have to worry about it, you know. But I, but I would love to, if there's anyone out there that thinks they can figure out a way to get Al into every household uh, uh, or at least every club, you know, because I love playing, you know. That's it. Uh, touring and like yeah, I just did a bunch of shows and. and yeah, it's the best so, man playing live doing that I, getting, you know, like having a booking agent, having a manager, having everybody take care of everything. I had all that going and I don't have that now and I miss it. I miss those days. I'm trying to get them back to 
but also forging ahead yeah. in new directions. Yeah. Let me take a quick break. We'll be right back after these words on TNT. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. My goomba, Mark Morano, is over in Dubai. He actually was telling me that I should go over there with him, but I have other things to do. In any case, Mark has said that the COP28 is shaping up to be a doubling down on the green agenda, despite the massive failure on a grand global scale. Now, I'm sure Mark is going to be talking about this quite a bit, but I would be remiss if a remiss, whichever word you want to use, if I did not bring up what Mark sent down today and he's going to be reporting on this and make no mistake about it this un climate summit will continue the push for the collapse of our once plentiful energy food supply and transportation what could be the possible reason to do that i mean you have bill gates king charles john kerry the world economic forum all these people are elitist all of them are ignorant as to what is actually driving the climate all of them are arrogant and believe that they are smarter than everyone else and therefore they wish to control everyone else that is what this is all about i'm sure as mark reports on it everybody's going to pick up on that this is tnt climate and weather watchdog meteorologist joe bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather it's the only weather you've got as a combat wounded veteran i know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life when i was in iraq our vehicle was hit a rocket-propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was going to make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're with Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back. We're here with the supernatural genius of Al Johannes. And oh, I mean on. it. He is a supernatural <laughs> genius. You. Hey, Al, your uh, life story is crazy because I heard that you, and this was actually the Lanigan interview I listened to, and I didn't know this about you before, but your dad and your uncle were major stars in Chile, right? And you yeah, didn't know yeah. them until and for a long time, and then you finally met them. Well, my dad, my dad. Passed. Yeah, my dad, I didn't know. Uh, uh, I didn't meet till 2010. It was Josh. After Natasha passed away, it was Josh. I said, you got to reconnect with your roots, man. And he took me to Chile. I hadn't I hadn't been here in 46 years. Uh, I mean, I was born here, and then I was taken away in Zurich and uh, the States and stuff. But my Uncle Peter was actually around. He would visit every once in a while, and he was a huge part of my upbringing because he was an amazing musician, a multi-instrumentalist, and a really wacky person, really fun. And he, he put a guitar in my hand when I was four and he showed me a few chords and then he just kind of left me alone. But then what happened is he would come and rehearse and my mom, uh, my mom always gave him the apartment or the house, wherever we were staying to rehearse in. And he would bring this entire band and they would like to you know, kind of hang out more. You know, they rehearse a little bit. Most of the time the place was they would go and do stuff and then I had access to Party. Like Defender Rose. 
I, you know, drum set, like, yeah, party. Yeah, they'd, they'd go party. It was called Tierra La Vista because we had a balcony. So that means land in sight and they would go, you know, smoke a joint and stuff. Um, back in the, it was the early 70s. It was pretty normal. Um, yeah, so. Still so, is, yeah. Al. Still is. Still is. Yeah. Normal. I, 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 so I Josh was the guy that he told you to get back to your roots. What did that do for you? What did that do for your music to return to your roots in Chile? Well, I, I got to meet my father, uh, and then because of that, also two brothers and cousins and aunts and stuff, and then got to basically start a, start my my a, a whole all the set of my musical life with a with Chilean musicians. I've got an amazing trio with Cote Fonseca on drums and Fela Fonseca on keyboards, very much mirroring the eleven sound, you know, with a uh, it's a it's an organ trio essentially. Um, and they're both in huge bands. There's a band called Lucy Bell that Cote plays with, which is one of the biggest bands here. Um, and it's great because they get to come down and we play Lollapalooza and we play festivals. And uh, and and it's it's really cool to to be in a country where like I walk down the street. If I'm in a crowded street, I will get stopped every other block at least twice. You know, like. Wow. master please take a photo you gotta do a video for me and like they they look at me as 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 this the kind of like prodigal son somebody that that did amazing things in the world and they're proud of me being chilean and and they're really sweet and they're great it's a great audience and they're super musical um and it's really amazing to be here you know because that rock it's almost dude. like a parallel that... universe yeah it's like a it's that... like a parallel universe where, where, where i got really big <laughs> that's amazing Listen, man, you're you're really yeah. big in the hearts and minds of so many of us. So you got another song for us to play. What are you going to do? Yeah, I'm going to do a little a little sweet tune for Natasha. It's called "Return to You," and uh, here we go. Release the gods for 
Beautiful, man. That one has Thank a you. Beatle feel to me. The melody, like, yeah, it, it, it's reminiscent of some of the Beatles or something like that. I, I don't know. Um, what are you a fan of, like, the Beatles yeah. and, and, and that kind of I, songwriting? That, yeah, that was huge for me because I remember I, I was born in 62, so by 65, I was already pretty sentient. And there was a lot of Beatles being played in the house, and I would make my mom buy me singles, and and, um, and my grandmother, who was a really big music fan, she loved Andy Williams, and she loved uh, uh, Charlie Parker, <laughs> and she said she loved like operettas and stuff, and but she loved the Beatles too. So so I would get all these singles, you know, like '66, '67. I get I get the singles, and and uh, when I moved here uh, to the states uh, from Mexico City. In '74, I had a trunk with all these amazing singles, and it never made it. Like it never made it. It just—I don't know what happened. But uh, mm. I had some of the OG singles, you know, 45s. Oh well. Yeah. So hopefully somebody has them, and they didn't wind up in a dump somewhere. But what do you yeah. think of today's music compared to those times you're speaking of now? I mean, I, I don't, you know, like with we have ai what do you think of the direction music is heading in and of course speaking of the beatles they just put out that new song i don't know if you heard it now and then which is yeah 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 kind of incredible actually but um what's your take on the state of the music business now do you feel like it's heading into a negative space or a neutral or beneficial where do you think it's heading and what do you think the responsibility of music is in our troubled world I mean, responsibility. I think. I think it just exists, and and that I think that it makes everyone, everyone's lives are uh, are enriched by 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 music and also art in general. You know, uh, poetry, uh, novels, uh, paintings. Um, it's it's pretty. You know, like 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 I said before. To, to me, it's like this timelessness. You know, like this in a bottle. It's like this 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 also this sense of connection. Like. You can you can connect with uh, music that comes from a different place, uh, culturally or or exper experience the experience of, that that made somebody write it. But it speaks it speaks to you in a very particular, direct personal way, like the universality of ex of the experience. Uh, um, that's why I love my favorite aspects of music is this this feeling of connection, like like. I don't have to understand the words. Like I love uh, Sufi, I love Nusra Fateh Ali Khan. I don't know what he's singing about. It feels really important to me, and 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 maybe I'm, I'm kind of unconsciously maybe morphic field wise for something catching the beautiful poetry that it's that is in a lot of the Sufi music, um, or Indian classical. I love Indian classical too. Um, so I was label mates. I, think, I was I label mates with Nusra. 
my first label was real oh you were that's he, amazing yeah and he was on that label and i remember oh. and I, I was uh at some kind of virgin records party one of those big you know la hobnobby things in the 90s and i was there because virgin yeah. was was he there too the and he was there too and i sat yeah. down with him and his brother at this table you, and and just we just hung did out you chat we, we couldn't i mean we didn't speak the same language so but yeah yeah he, he he didn't really speak anything but but uh whatever uh pakistani languages yeah. right um but uh yeah we got to see him at the hackney empire uh natasha and i made a record close to real world in 88 uh 89 and actually it was uh gavin harrison who plays king crimson and jaco who sings uh, i bought tickets for the, the uh, natasha jaco and gavin and me and we went to the hackney empire to see news right we got first row because i was so early in buying the tickets and we were the only non-pakistani people there maybe one one or two more because it was really early you know and i remember yeah. it was just this amazing experience and he would you know he would just like say something like like you know in between songs and everybody just freaked out like oh my god and i just wanted to take what did he say i want to know you know so um but anyway it's, we were digressing because it's really really fun um let me i think let me I ask think you that this i, I tried oh, to look ahead. at it in, uh, all right i'll go ahead no no ahead, just the, the earlier part of the question like really quick I, I i tried to look at it as like a, a parallels right so i think humans are essentially the same always right and yes things say ai or whatever but imagine like i would imagine in the 60s there was coltrane but there was also like really poppy stuff and then there was also like the alternative stuff i think that that uh i think music will continue to this 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 i mean i, I love uh bandcamp because I, I get to uh buy records and support amazing jazz musicians and electronic artists and avant-garde artists and stuff like that that you know the streaming thing is what bugs me a lot because you know when it gets to the point where you where where there's a lot of exposure or at least a lot of plays and you're not even able to make to make a, a monthly wage or, or you know pay your bills so that you can continue you know just making music and nothing else um but i think we're diversifying and and, and figuring it out like if it wasn't for me being able to be a, a producer engineer mixer you know would have been really hard to survive from what we did as 11 or my solo stuff um and in terms of that in terms of your recording do you have a you have a home studio there i mean when you come up with these songs can you record them in professional yeah. setting right there in your home and what's that process I, like for you i mean i try i try to always have I mean, at 11 ad the house where we did like 80 records where natasha and i lived for 20 some years where we did euphoria morning eagles of death metal no doubt like lanigan etc um we had a really amazing studio because when chris uh cornell stayed with us he, he got uh a m's uh, uh chief alcafaro come listen to our stuff he gave us a record deal for 200 grand and that was back in the in the 97 or whatever and uh we talked him into giving us an entire amount as a po to sla music and we got a studio for that no one could believe it we got a studio amazing. for that Neumann, Neve, API, we just, you know, I couldn't believe that 40 grand of it had to be cables, but that's just what you got to do. Um, I know, cables are a pain. Dude, it's like, you got to get, like, imagine get all this, and then you got to get, a, you know, like, some cheap cable. I was I was going to name a name, it's not cool. 
Yeah, I yeah. wasn't gonna say the H, the H name. Um, All right, but, hey Al, I gotta cut it off, man, because we're like the last oh, minute here. Oh, yeah, we're I sure. could, I could talk to you for hours, but I, I want to make sure um, you tell everyone where to find you and how to, how to keep in touch with you. Thank you. Um, yeah, AlanYohannes.com, uh, Instagram, Alan Johannes. Uh, you know, you can find me on Spotify, Alan Johannes, you know, or Alan Johannes. And and thank you so much for inviting me. And thank you to TNT Radio Live for uh, providing this awesome platform. And we could do this again. I would love to have you back on, man, for sure. And uh, let's do this as a regular thing, man. It's great to see you. You sound amazing. You. And God bless you, brother. Um, thank you, same. I hope you enjoyed it. Talk soon, man. All right, everybody, keep talk. listening. We'll be back with more after these words on TNT. Go listen to Al's music right now. <laughs>